Welcome on in to Empower Talks. This is the podcast where we talk about careers with people across the insurance industry. Welcome to this episode of Empower Talks, where I'm thrilled to have Caroline Wegstaff with us today. Caroline is the CEO of the London Market Group, the LMG, and this is a really pinnacle role for the market. Um, And it always has been, but there's something different about Caroline's approach to it, which I'm really excited about. Caroline's expertise and experience in the market has always been marketing focused. And if we look at the London market group, what it's really doing is trying to position the insurance market so it's competitive and the world knows that we're here to place their specialist risks. So Caroline's marketing insight and approach is a really unique way and a really beneficial way of approaching the LMG objectives. In this episode, Caroline talks to us about what the LMG is doing, in particular around talent and trying to attract young people to this best kept secret that we're all trying to spill. And Caroline shares her insight as to what it's like working in that role as the CEO of the LMG and the impact she can have on insurance market through some really great opportunities that she's going to share with us through today's episode. So let's get to it. It's great to speak to you, Caroline. And we've we've spoken before and and realised in that conversation there's a lot of shared passion, but also that you're having a massive influence on the industry. And I think there's a lot of things that you're doing that um, I know our listeners and more people around the market will want to hear more about, but also should hear more about. Thank you. It's lovely to talk to you. And as you say, there is lots of things about the London market that I'm really passionate about. And talent is one and our reputation and how we promote ourselves is another. And having been in the market for, oh, I think I think I can confess to 25 years, um, uh, you know, it's uh, it's lovely to be in a position where you feel you can kind of help drive some change. And your new role, um, so CEO of the LMG, which gives you really the opportunity to represent the market as a whole. Um, and, and really, that's, that's, I think, going to be quite a feature of what we're going to talk about today. I'm conscious of all the acronyms in insurance. The LMG is one that some will be familiar with, but I'm sure uh, could do with a little bit of an introduction in itself. So do you want to just explain a little bit about what the LMG is? So the LMG is the London Market Group. and we are the place where we speak with one voice across the market. So our stakeholders are the other trade associations within the market. So we have Lloyd's, obviously, we have the uh, Lloyd's Managing uh, Managing Agencies Association. Um, There's the RUA representing the company market, and then there's LIBA representing the brokers. And so what we look for is for those areas of activity where genuinely the whole market can come together, you know, for all the best reasons, it would just be the brokers that are involved, or it might just be the underwriters. But we've decided that there are three key areas where the market really um, can benefit from having a, a kind of single single voice and a single point of contact. And those are, at a high, very high level, one is talking to government, because there's a huge amount of legislative change going on and regulatory change post-Brexit. You know, and we want to make sure that the changes that are being made are going to be as good as possible as they can be for the wholesale insurance market. So, so government is, and regulators is one. The second is, is really just promoting the market generally. The London market is this fantastic um, 
beast which which competes and collaborates at the same time it's it's unique in that people come together to whether it's to write subscription risks or to find solutions to new problems but people also compete very fiercely um, and we think that's really worth promoting that so there's we're, we have a campaign to promote the London market and then the third thing is really to make um, specialty insurance a destination career for young people as we know people have tended to fall into insurance I always do this as a test when I um when I go to events I say to, to the room you know okay hands up those of you who fell into insurance and hands up those of you who knew somebody sort of family and friends and it's pretty much 95% of the audience and that's great but it's not really a recruitment strategy that's going to drive us forward into the future so I think we need to tell people what it is that we have to offer as as an employment choice because I think there's a huge amount to offer and we've been a bit sort of keep you hiding our light under a bushel a bit about the whole thing. Yeah, and and I think um, like a couple of points in what you pick up there is what I really love about the market. The the LMG I think is a brilliant way of representing how collaborative we are. You you literally have CEOs of competitors sat round a table sharing knowledge, sharing strategy, sharing insight in a way that you just wouldn't expect to see. And because uh, I, I certainly can't see any other examples of kind of getting that collaborative working going on in there as well um but also purpose of, of what we're doing so outside of of what we're selling in insurance how are we able to then work with the industry and the young people to make sure that we are working together to, to solve that issue so when you talk about falling into insurance did you fall into insurance I did I did I totally fell into insurance um well I suppose actually I'm somewhere between the two so I uh, I'd spent most of my career working in a, in a range of other financial services industries. So I left university and I was a commodity trader. I used to buy and sell wheat and barley and put it on ships and send it places. I worked for a spread betting company where people could bet on the movement of financial markets. I worked for an accountancy firm. I worked for an interdealer broker dealing with interest rates and foreign exchange. Um, so I'd sort of worked in this whole range of financial services. And one day, a friend of mine who I'd uh, been on, uh, done my MBA with, rang me up and he worked for the Corporation of Lloyds and said, I don't know what it is you do, but it always sounds really interesting and we need a new marketing person. Why don't you come and talk to us? I was like, but I like the job I've got. Anyway, he uh, he's a man of great persuasive capability. Uh, and he persuaded me to come talk to his boss. And the next thing I knew, I was the new head of marketing at Lloyds of London. And I'd never really come across insurance before. Um, it was really interesting. You know, I'd worked in all these other bits of the city, but I'd never really come across insurance. And um, and I've been in the market ever since. And I, and I think one of the reasons for that, um, having moved around in lots of other industries, is I love the community that is this market. I love the fact that you can walk down the road, bump into people you know. There is this amazing collaboration to get things done. People move between both sides of the house. People are brokers, people are underwriters, so they change jobs. And an underwriter might become a broker and vice versa. There's no sort of hard uh, lines of delineation between these things. We've got people from all over the world. Um, and I, I think a lot of that is really appealing. And, and insurance, there's always something going on. There's always something where there's an, it's an interest in, you know, whether it's Ukraine and its sanctions or whether it's 
you know, something in the supply chain. Insurance touches everything. And so there's always something interesting to, to be talking about. And that's, that's kept me very happily um, employed for the last couple of decades. Um, so your, your role, though, entering in, in marketing, that is where you've really developed as well. And we'll talk a little bit more about yeah. that. What I think would be quite interesting is, is we've really linked those two things together. We have the Lloyd's Market that no one knows anything about. <laughs> when we're talking about young people and careers and then we have marketing um, and of course the marketing is generally for businesses that's where we're, we're targeting the marketing of, of the market which means the general population don't really know what we do and when they think of insurance they think of what they see on the tv so what does that actually um look like day to day when you're looking at strategy of marketing for the market I think there's two so I think there's two things that have really changed and it's been it has been really interesting because a number of people have said to me, oh, that's quite interesting. You've got a marketing and communications background and yet you're you're leading this trade body, you know, and you've never underwritten a risk in anger or broke or anything. And the answer is we're a campaigning body. That's what the LMG does. We run campaigns on behalf of the market. That's what marketing people do. They run marketing campaigns. So that idea of saying, what is the problem we're trying to solve? What is the we want to get over what are the channels we want to use to get that story across and how to measure whether we're actually landing that story and changing the moving needle those are all absolutely marketing and, and com skills and i think that's why you know this is it, you know it's a really interesting role for me and i hope it you know really brings value to the market and so i think when you're talking about how, exactly when we market our business we're not selling soap powder we're selling this to sophisticated buyers of risk management services. You know, the people who buy our services are, are you know, working for big corporates. They, they're, not, they're not trying to insure their car or their telephone. And that doesn't help when you're then trying to get through to young talent because they really have no experience of, of what, you know, commercial insurance is. But equally, they don't know anything about investment banking either except they might have watched billions. Someone said to me the other day, we need a really good film about insurance. So, so, that, so that, I think that's the problem. And that's so, but we can do a lot about that because the fantastic thing we have at our available, our fingertips today is digital communication. And we can, you know, 25 years ago, if you wanted to reach students or you wanted to reach school leavers, you had to physically turn up. You had to go to a careers fair. You had to go to a school sixth form careers evening. And that's a lot of ground to cover, I mean, literally and metaphorically. What have we got today? We've got Instagram. We've got LinkedIn. We've got Facebook. We can reach lots and lots of young people without having to, you know, physically go anywhere. And that's particularly useful when there's a global pandemic going on. So that's where we're really looking at the moment is how do we tell a sto better story about specialty commercial insurance how do we use those digital channels to reach people and therefore how do we start moving the needle and that will be I and mean, it's going to be that's years not months i mean mm. if you go back to sort of if you were selling soap powder you wouldn't launch a soap powder and expect to be the market leader six months later you've got to build brand you've got to build trust and you've got to you've got to keep going at it and that's and that's where we are in the journey at the moment we started the journey I think we're doing some good work, but we'll need to keep doing it for some time to come. So you mentioned the comparison to banking careers. This is something I've, I kind of, I have a bit of a hypothesis of one of the reasons I think young people look at banking and not necessarily insurance. 
Um, and one of those is, I think, the, the banking bonuses scandal that was so highly reported in the press that if we looked at city jobs and well-paid city jobs, for all the negative press that was surrounded by it, you couldn't get away from the image of, if I want to have a successful career in the city, I'm going to be a banker, being one. But also, when we talk about insurance, we lump it into financial services. So we talk about financial services, and then people assume we're talking about banking. So we just don't have that kind of identity ourselves, but also we are very humble, I think, as, a, um, as an industry in, in things like how successful you can be, the brilliant travel, uh, the brilliant culture that we have, because we don't want to be saying like how brilliant it is to work in insurance, because that's just not, not really our culture internally. I think that's right. I think we have to get over that, to be honest. I had an interesting debate with some market practitioners about, would you believe, should we put salaries on the jobs that we're posting? And my view was, why wouldn't you do that? You know, people need, well, first of all, people need to know how much they're going to get paid. And secondly, they might be surprised at how well they could get paid. And I think we do need to talk about the fact that this is a well-remunerated industry and there are entrepreneurs and successful people within this industry who have made lots of money. I mean, it's very, you know, I don't think we can be too humble about it. I think we have to just be a bit braver about talking about why it's a great place to work. You know, it does have great, it has, when you talk to young people in the market, they've become, they've become very passionate advocates for this industry. And so the things they say to me are, it's well paid, it's really interesting, and you're dealing with sort of societal problems and you're helping you know, put people back after bad things have happened. You know, it's got great work-life balance. It's not, you're not a lawyer who's pulling an all-night deal or an investment banker who's been working for a week on something. You know, there is life-work balance. There's fantastic opportunities for international travel, whether that's working abroad in different countries or just going and visiting customers and clients and, and sort of experiencing what that looks like. And I think all of those things are all part of the mix. And so we're spending a lot of time trying to get young people to talk, young people to talk about what they love about it so that there are relatable role models out there for people to listen to. I mean, nobody wants to listen to an old, an old person like me talk about why she loves insurance. That's nice, but it's not terribly compelling. But if you you know if there's a sort of somebody you've seen who's two to three years out of university and you can watch a video about them talking about why they love insurance, that's going to move the needle, I think. Yeah, and and your your point there around um, talking about salaries. So this is something that is identified on TikTok, speaking TikTok language, as a red flag. So um, on TikTok, there are red flags pointed out about different jobs, and it is a given on, on TikTok that if a salary isn't put on there, it's because the salary is rubbish. Now I have to go out there and advocate that that's not always the case. <laughs> but we are starting with the assumption that well, you don't want to work there because they don't put the salary on. So unfortunately, TikTok has a lot more uh, audience than, than us that, that kind of try to explain to people the internal reasons that they might not do that. We're too late to, to be behind the trend with them there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we... We have we have said we just I mean what we're doing mainly is is publishing links to, to other people's jobs pages where funny enough they do put the salary on it because that's a really important part of the mix um, and I think we do have we do have to talk about it it's you know you we can't all be terribly British and not talk about money because it's you know not the done thing. So if we talk about where where you are up to with this vision for the LMG, um, 
and um, London Insurance Life, Lil, as it's affectionately known. Um, where is the campaign to date? So what's been its journey so far? So the journey so far was really to think about what it is that you... So if you're going to start a campaign to, to make insurance a destination career, what do you need? Well, the first thing you need is, is what I call a single source of truth. Somewhere you send people that tells them everything they need to know about what the London market can offer. And so we have we have worked quite hard in the last months on the London Insurance Life website to do just that. So it has on it, it has quite a lot of information about the London market. It's got little learning modules so you can understand how risks get placed and who does what. It's got, you know, um, kind of um, keywords and what they mean and, and all that sort of thing. So there's a bit of education about what is London. Then there's a lot of relatable role models. So young people, we've got videos, we've got podcasts, we've got profiles, all talking about how they got into the market, what their roles involve, what they love about it, so that people can really explore um, kind of what, what the market has to offer. And then the third bit, which is really important, is a jobs post, because you don't want to get people really excited. I think, oh, this is great. Now, I wonder how I get a job. And then the problem about being a marketplace, not a company, is how do you find who's who? And that's the other thing about insurance. We don't really have any household brands. You know, we don't have a NatWest or an HSBC brands that people are going to have heard of. And yeah, they're great businesses, but really who's, you know, so... Our view is that if we can have a jobs board where people in the market are posting internships, work placements, um, apprenticeships, uh, entry-level jobs, graduate programs, that gives people somewhere to go and look for stuff. So that's where we. So we've created that site. It's it's fine. I want it to be better. I'm very ambitious for it. So we're now working on some more video content where we. We try to explain the role of the insurance plays and why it's important to people. Um, and, you know, and we'll keep going with, with, with kind of new content for it. But having built it, we now have to get people to come to it because very few people wake up going, mummy, 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 I've decided that what I really want to be in life is an insurance underwriter. Um, so for those who haven't had that moment of truth, we, we are um, driving traffic to it through digital um, advertising. So we're using um, Instagram, we're using LinkedIn, we're using Facebook um, and um, other kind of Facebook um, sites to drive traffic to the website. And we, we've been doing, we've run a competition, we've uh, we shared some of the videos, you know, and we've done three waves of that. The first one was no, uh, November to Christmas. We did one from sort of end of January to kind of end of February. And we've just done another one now that's going to finish just before Easter. Um, and we're learning all the time. So we're looking at all the data. The great thing about digital advertising is you get loads of data. It doesn't always tell you why people have done things, but it does show you what they've done um, to, try and, to try and engage what's working. What, what more could we do better? And we'll look to build out the campaign in the next year. And so we'll look at different channels. We've done some billboard advertising in universities. Um, you know, so we're going to kind of look at, look at, keep looking at different ways of, of reaching young people, because the other thing, of course, is people grow up. So today's school leavers are tomorrow's, you know, university students are tomorrow's people who are looking for a job. So you can't stop because the, the market keeps refreshing itself. So that's, so that's where we are at the moment. 
And in turn, that can become the advantage because if we go back 20, 30 years ago, or probably even much longer, most people came into the market because of friends and family. Um, and that in itself created an issue for diversity because people will come in all from the same backgrounds. And as we are building out the workforce within the market, and in particular, as we're appealing to people from different backgrounds, if we're encouraging them to tell their friends and family in turn, we will naturally get that wider pool, but also that diverse pool of candidates come in as well. So there's the, the aspect of finding new people, but also yeah. really trying to encourage those who currently work in it to sing from the hilltops. Yeah, exactly. So so everybody, you know, we've got, when you look at, you look at the people who are on London Insurance Life, I think they show, you know, the diversity that is coming through in the, in you know, through the, through, through, through recruitment. We want them to share more. And some people say to me, well, what's, you know, what, what are you doing about diversity and inclusion? And my answer is, it's the law of, it's the law of big numbers. If you make the pool wider and you make the pool deeper, you're going to get a more diverse audience uh, and more diverse candidates and and different backgrounds. You know that should be the way it happens. So you know, and, and again, we probably I will probably be well retired by the time you know we actually have we can really see the see whether the change has happened. But you know, it can't be unhelpful that we're looking in different places and advertising in different places. And, and reaching out more broadly through through digital channels and using young people as our ambassadors to to tell the story and for them to share because you know if I share a piece of content on my channels that's interesting but I'm you know not that well connected in the you know under 30s sadly so if people are listening and they want to um, share how can they make sure that they're engaging and getting your content and posts out to their friends so, so a couple of things I think we'd, we'd, we'd really like people to, to, to do. The first is to follow the follow London Insurance Life, whether that's on Instagram or if it's on LinkedIn, and share content as you as as you see it come up that you think is that you think is interesting. The second is we are refreshing our ambassador program. So we have been we've had some people who've been ambassadors to the market for you know four or five years, and we've said to people. You know, people are getting more senior, their jobs are getting more demanding. We know we can't keep asking them for time. So we said to people, you know, re-sign up and we're also looking for new ambassadors. So if somebody is in the first, you know, two to three, four, five years of their career in the insurance market, feel very passionate about it, get in touch with us. Um, we'd love you to be an ambassador, particularly if you've, you know, you know, whatever your story about how you got into the market, it's going to be interesting from, from one perspective or another. And then what we're doing for those people is, is two things. One is where we've started a mentoring scheme so that if you're a London Insurance Life ambassador, we can help find you a mentor because you might, your company might not have that or you might want a mentor who's outside of your company, maybe from a slightly different area. And the second thing is, is we're trying to do more networking for the market. If we go back to why do I love the insurance market, it's, it's about the community. One of the things that the pandemic has taught us is that those of us who've been in the market longer, who've got a network, sort of got through the pandemic professionally more easily than those who didn't. Because we could pick up a phone, we could ping someone an email. And so many people who are at an earlier stage in their career have said to me, they don't resonate. That community idea doesn't resonate as strongly with them because they haven't had a chance to build a network. 
So we're really keen. There's lots of people doing networking stuff in the market. I don't think that means we shouldn't do it. I think the more the merrier. So we're going to be running some network events. Some of that might be quite fun. We'll do fun stuff. Some of it might be, you know, fireside chats with market leaders because, as you said earlier, you know, we've got a fantastic board of um, directors who are all CEOs in the market who I'm sure I can persuade uh, to 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 do something. So that's the second thing we want to do is to offer some networking opportunities for for our ambassadors. Um, and we also use them as a focus group. So there's videos I was talking about earlier. We've done some videos. I think they're great. I'm not 25. So we're going to share them with some of our ambassadors and have a bit of a focus group and, and see what people think about them. So hopefully it's sort of fun and interesting as well. The key thing with social media as well is algorithms and algorithms as well just, just work with numbers. So if you do share that post and 100 people from the market yeah. are going to like it, then the reach is going to be that much more. So even if people don't feel that they have the time to volunteer and commit, liking a post, commenting a post, yeah. uh, copying a yeah. link, it all works. Yeah, exactly. And what we're trying to say to people is, you know, don't just like it, share it. That's that's always my thing is, you know, sharing gets you much better engagement. Reposting gets even better engagement. You know, commenting, as you say, it's an algorithm. It understands that this is a conversation on social media. It's not broadcast. And I think that's where people go wrong with social media. They see it as a sort of channel for pumping out messages in a rather sort of didactic form. And what I'm trying to say to people is, this should be a market conversation, you know, and the more of us who are actively engaging in it, then the better, the further the message will get, like dropping a stone in the pond. Excellent. And um, I know you've kind of talked about TikTok. What, where have those conversations got to? So as you know, and you, you, are, you are our inspiration on TikTok, is if you start doing something in a channel, you've really got to be committed to it. And you've got to have a sort of pipeline of content you're going to put down it. And so that you can build that, that conversation and that momentum. So I'm I'm taking a bit of time to decide how we're gonna how we're gonna do it. And I want to make sure that I've got that pipeline of content. So I suspect we're not gonna get involved actively on TikTok for another couple of months um, because I really want to have a good pipeline of stuff that I can be using and also to make it appropriate for the channel. Because that's the other thing. It needs to work in the channel and how people engage with it. You can't just take, you can't just lift and drop and say, well, here's a video and that worked fine here. So let's stick it there. We need to make sure. So I'm slower than I would like to be, but I think with good reason so that when we do it, we've got a better chance of making a success of it. Yeah, I think I spent a good few months on TikTok uh, as, a, as an individual, if you like, as a person playing with it before I worked out how I was going to uh, get, mm. get involved in it with, with some purpose. Um, and I think it's so different. It, I find it mad. I can put a post on Instagram and then the same post on TikTok. And one will get thousands of views and one will get 50. But it could always be interchangeable which one hits off with what. So it's, it's a different audience and a different algorithm as well. Yeah. And, and also, I think it's to my point about the date, what, you get data, but it doesn't tell you why stuff happens. So, you know, when I... Buzzler, you know, started doing marketing. There used to be this very famous quote from Lord Lever, who invented soap powder advertising. He said, I know that 50% of my advertising is successful. I just don't know which 50%. And everyone now says, oh, but now we've got all the data from the algorithm. And I say, it doesn't tell you that post went viral and that post didn't. 
you can tell that that happened. But as you say, they could be the same posts, very similar. And it's, I refer to it slightly as black magic, but, you know, you, you can learn a bit, but it's about human beings and how they behave. And that will always be fundamentally a mystery. So, Caroline, you've been on your role now with the LMG for a little while. What are you gaining from that experience in terms of uh, the conversations you're involved in, also the impact that you're able to have for the market? So it's been it's been a year, actually. It was a year at the end of last week that I've been in post. And so I was talking to some friends about this at the weekend and they said, you know, so, so what have you learned in the first year? And the first thing is, it gets back to my point about collaboration. It's, it's been an, I've always known how supportive the market is, but this has been a really, uh, literally sort of up close and personal view of that. So I'm working with, you know, the CEOs and chairs of the other associations who've been amazingly supportive and CEOs across the market. And so I think I've learned how passionate people, how passionately people feel and how much they want to do the right thing. I've also learned it's, takes longer than you think to get people together to kind of decide what the right answer should be and what we could all get behind. So, and I've learned, I've learned a lot actually on the government side, because that was a sort of area where I'd had a lot less experience of sort of public affairs. And so, you know, in January, I found myself giving evidence to the House of Lords over an inquiry into wholesale um, regulation of wholesale insurance. I mean, that was such terrifying experience. You know, suddenly there you are with you know, a bunch of peers in the House of Lords. And uh, so what, what I love about it is I, you know, I feel I'm learning every day. I feel I'm learning something that's very energizing and it, it keeps you feeling very infused, mildly terrified from time to time. Um, but that's, you know, a bit of terror is never a bad thing also. So here I am at a point in my career when I could have been thinking about, to be frank, doing less, winding down, you know, taking it easier. And all my friends think it's hilarious that I'm working harder than I've ever worked before. But I said, I love it. I'm having a really, really enjoyable time. I really think we've got the right issues and we've got the right actions. And I think we're going to move the needle and it'll take a while, but I think we're going to get that. You just coasted over something that sounds really fascinating. What, what is it like going into the House of Lords? How does that work? Do they say to you, hey, we want you to come and talk about this? Or do they ask you questions? What, what's the whole setup? So, so what happened was we had been, I had been talking to a number of the peers about all this change that's going on post-Brexit and the sort of things that we want the government to do to help the wholesale insurance industry. And in the law of unintended consequences, one of the peers said, oh, well, we've got this you know, it's a regulator, it's a committee that looks at industry regulation, we could take a look at the regulators. All right, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And so we sent him some um, stuff for, to share with his committee. And they all said, Yeah, let's do, we're going to do that. And they were incredibly efficient. I mean, we had the first conversation at the end of November, and I was giving evidence in the middle of January. So that's how fast they moved. I, of course, when I thought this was a tremendously good idea, not assumed that I would be then grilled by 15 years. I didn't get to go to the House of Lords because it was in lockdown. So I had to do it on Zoom. So that was, I was really sad about that because I wanted to you know, see what that looked like. Um, and the great thing was they were, they were very professional. They really wanted to know the answers to the questions. They weren't trying to score political points and be difficult. Um, 
but it was 90 minutes and I have to say at the end of it I couldn't decide whether I needed to lay down or a large gin and tonic or both I was absolutely you know the adrenaline had been flowing so hard for 90 minutes I was really you know shattered that's, that's brilliant isn't it and it's I think we 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 do kind of I guess we acknowledge that in the market we have um a huge impact on what goes on in the country but also the world you know we, we know that if we did mm. everything that we do there's purpose and meaning behind it but I guess being there and thinking about um how you can have a almost a shorter term impact and then immediate conversation as well getting that response that must have been really fulfilling it was really fulfilling and really fulfilling at the end of it to sort of felt that we'd landed some really key points about that we want to change and and then it was you know we'd also further down the line other ceos in the, the london market gave evidence and you know we'd made sure that you know we all are we were all kind of in sync in what we were talking about so it's been it's been a really interesting piece of work to have made happen and and has had really good response to the market i've had lots of people saying you know, it's about time somebody really talked about wholesale insurance and what we need. And we we are a jewel in the, you know, in the crown of financial services. You talked about the city earlier and financial services. I mean, insurance is about about one pound in five in the city, you know, of income is insurance. And yet we don't have the reputation and the, I think, the prestige that goes with actually the contribution we're making to the economy of the United Kingdom and to the economy of other countries around the world, particularly after disasters. Well, we were talking earlier about that being as well where we're humble as a market. And I guess we have institutional change, but also individual change, and everything needs to come from a mixture of both. What do you think we can be doing individually? Has, has that been a conversation around the table? And is there certain things that people are more inclined to do or completely, completely the opposite way? <laughs> I think I think that actually, funny enough, I think there's a lot of um, activity going on at the individual and corp and individual business level. So when you talk to people, you know, there's this business here has got a great schools outreach program and is going, you know, is mentoring people in schools. This this uh, you know someone else is doing something with STEM training for for sixteen year olds. So there's what I call there's a bit of a patchwork of activity going on. And I think, in a way, that's fantastic, and I wouldn't stop any of it for a moment. But I think it means that we don't have something that makes impact. So I think we do need, as a as a market, to come together around one or two things, and and I use the word to industrialize them. So instead of doing something for, for ten students, we're doing something for, you know, five hundred students. I think we need to do something. The analogy I use with everybody is, what do we do every day? We pull capital so that we can take bigger risks. We need to do the same with talent. We need to pool our resources and our energy so that we can make a bigger impact on the kind of talent talent um, sort of scene. And so, as I say, I don't want to stop anybody doing anything, but I would love us to find one or two things that we could really coalesce around and get lots of market impact and you know and take you know run a you know schools week where we took 500 students and distributed them around the market doing different things so i am i going to get there in the next three to four months probably not do i have an ambition to get there by next year 
yes I do yeah yeah I think I think it, you know it has to be those those numbers because we're talking about large numbers and also students will come and they'll do something with us this is the experience I used to have you'd go into a school you'd see a load of you know year nines year tens they'd be absolutely captivated by everything you said and they've got four or five years left of education by the time they finish they forgot who you were with a distant memory so I think Lil was brilliant for that you know the idea that you can go into the school and then follow that Instagram page the same day and then you have a continuous conversation or at least awareness popping up over and over again so by the time you're looking you've not forgotten about that event. No. I mean, we have a lot of debate about should the LMG be going into schools and, and universities? And I have two answers. The first is until you've built the brand, no one's going to turn up for the event. Yeah. It's easier at schools because they're told to go into the room, sit down and listen. <laughs> but you can't do that with graduates. So if they haven't heard about commercial insurance, why would they turn up? So I think you have to do the first bit first. The second is, is about resource, you know. Even if you just took London, you know, London and the South, that's a lot of miles to cover to go to events. And again, you can do a lot digitally. So, I, you know, we can review these things and no answer is ever final. And also, you know, it was a great plan three years ago and then suddenly there's a global pandemic and nobody can go anywhere. So you need a, you need a backup plan. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a big advocate for the online webinars for universities now because I used to travel and I can remember once I went to Exeter to do a talk and I was waiting to go into the room where I was going to do this talk uh, with the CII, Casper at the time, and there was about five people queuing up outside and next door was L'Oreal and they must have had 80 people queued up to go and work for L'Oreal and I was just so frustrated thinking if you could just come in and listen, please, (laughs) we've got so much to offer. Um, but they, they're not going to pick us because at, at that age, yeah. it's brand awareness. That's, that, that's, that's absolutely true. And I did that. I did an online event for, for Exeter the other day. I did it at the time they wanted, which was 6.30 in the evening. And we got seven or eight people to turn up. And that's fine. I hadn't moved from my desk. I wasn't, you know, it didn't particularly affect my evening. But I thought, gosh, if I'd gone all the way to Exeter to do that, I'd have been slightly ticked off. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we will get there though, bit by bit. So where we end with these episodes is a piece of wisdom uh, that's helped you in your career or that you help others with. So what would be your top piece of advice that you give to people who are looking at advancing in their careers in insurance? This this sounds back to our kind of, we should never talk about money. I think that the the best piece of career, career advice I was ever given was how to ask for a pay rise in a way that made it a constructive conversation between you and your employer and not a sort of, you know, demand for money with menaces. And that was about, you know, knowing your market worth, knowing what you could get if you moved jobs, knowing what it was you needed to stay so that, you know, that someone doesn't, the worst thing is when the boss turns up and says, and I'm giving you X as a pay rise and you think, that's not enough. They think you should be happy. You're not happy. Everybody's miserable. So it's about having that open conversation so that you tell them what your expectations are. You tell them you know what your market worth is. You understand if they can't give it to you now, when the next opportunity to have that conversation would be. And I think that was it. Was, I was, I'd spent quite a lot of time feeling faintly, you know, underpaid and aggrieved about it before someone helped me understand that's how you do it. So I think 
that understanding of asking for a pay rise and just knowing what your worth is, because after all, we do do this to get paid. Let's all be honest about that. We don't just do it because um, we enjoy it. And the second thing is, uh, is an old phrase of my grandmother's, which is honey catches more flies than vinegar. Uh, and I think particularly when I was a young woman and I worked in these very male testosterone driven financial services businesses, I sort of felt that I had to be sort of tougher than tough. And actually, sometimes there is a role for a bit of softness, a bit of humour, a bit of charm to help you get things through. So, honey catches more flies than vinegar. Excellent. I like I love both of those. I think um, asking for a pay rise is often by the time you do it, you're so emotional, you're so frustrated that it doesn't feel as collaborative as, as yeah. like you suggest. So that's a really good tip. Brilliant. All right. Well, we will direct people to all of your socials. Um, and please, if you're listening to this and, and you think there's any way that you can help, um, please do. But if you don't think there's any way you can help, uh, rewind and listen, <laughs> listen to the bits maybe around sharing the, um, sharing the posts and so on. Because I think there really is something that every single person can do to help with this initiative. And the more that we do, the more ripple effect we're going to have and, and, and the more people are going to find out about London's best kept secret, as we call it. <laughs> Hopefully not for much longer. Yes, we've got to stop being a well-kept secret. We've got to stop and stop that. <laughs> well, thank you, Caroline. And we'll see you again soon. Br brilliant. Thanks so much for your time. It's been lovely to chat to you, Samantha.